Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have a little movie news, and then we're going to get into our discussion of the 2019 Emmy nominations. The Slash Home Editor-in-Chief, Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, so before we get into the Emmys, we have a bunch of we have one bit of big news that hit right before we were gonna record the podcast, and that is a Marvel news story. So we gotta talk about this. Chris, tell us about it. Uh Taika Waititi is coming back for Thor 4. Uh, this is a big deal for several reasons. For one reason, everyone loved Thor Ragnarok, so they're going to be happy to have him back. Uh, for another, Marvel, even though they've made you know tons of interconnected movies in their Marvel Cinematic Universe, they've never actually had uh, four films focused on one character. You know, Iron Man has had a trilogy. Captain America had a trilogy. And up until now, Thor was a trilogy, but now Thor is going to be the first of the films to get a fourth film. And lastly, this is significant because uh, Takawa TV was supposed to start directing um, the live action Akira for Warner Brothers. But once again, that film has run into problems and it's now on pause indefinitely. Uh originally it was supposed to start shooting very soon. Then it got pushed back for script issues. Um, according to THR, the script issues are pretty much resolved, but now Thor four would bump up against that schedule wise. So uh, they've just put Akira on hold um, for the time being, and they should probably just put it on hold forever because it doesn't seem like it's a good idea in general. Do you think that this is going to be breaking the mold for the Marvel studios films? Because like all, they've always positioned these, 
franchises as trilogies. Even Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has been noted by James Gunn to be like the end of this trilogy of, of films and the end of the Guardians. Um, so I'm wondering, like, Ben, what do you what do you make of this? Like, does this mean that there could be more fours in the future? Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly what it means. I think that that they basically just lock themselves, uh, you know, for the first decade of MCU movies, they essentially lock themselves into this sort of strict uh, format. And it made a lot of sense for the way that they're developing movies and introducing them to the world. And, and just it, it sort of established a framework for them to be able to um you know, reach the ultimate goal of Avengers Endgame. And now that they've done that, now that they've they've made, you know, 20 plus movies, I think they're feeling a little bit of freedom to break from those those traditions. You know, rules are made to be broken. And I think they're yeah. confident enough at this point that they're willing to break their own rules. It's interesting to me, especially that, um, you know, th- there were so many years there where Robert Downey Jr. was talking about potentially making Iron Man 4 and they held really, really, you know, firmly to their belief that we're not going to do four movies uh, like you said it's all going to be trilogies but now that uh endgame is over and now that robert downey jr probably couldn't come back for an iron man 4 if he wanted to because his character died in endgame um now they're finally opening things up a little bit so they, that was one of the the interesting sort of side notes to this for me yeah most of like, I, I think too like with thor you kind of have an interesting thing where thor has been given like uh, a makeover in a variety of ways with thor ragnarok and even in avengers endgame and that was, I think, that's definitely the end of a trilogy for Thor. But now he's embarking on what could be, could potentially be a new trilogy because Chris Hemsworth isn't looking to stop playing Thor anytime soon. You know, he he said he was on board, you know, to keep going. And I think with this new approach to Thor, and now that Asgard's been destroyed, like it's a it's a whole new world for that franchise. And I think like Taika can easily take in like a lot of exciting directions. Yeah, it's interesting because Endgame kind of brings an end to his arc. But at the same time, it launches him into a new arc that yeah. I feel like could be good for another few another trilogy of films. Um, and also, Peter, like the if if Hemsworth does stick around for a while, he's going to be essentially the oldest uh, veteran on the on the squad, right? Like the oldest surviving member of the original MCU group. So, I mean, I guess you could consider Nick Fury slightly older but well the i mean uh, people that got their own solo movies right? yeah for um, sure you'll so be the elder statesman of that group. yeah yeah so that's kind of an interesting thing with like theoretically him sort of maybe sliding into you know some sort of i don't, I don't know if they're going to position him as like a mentor in the same way that that downey was to like tom holland for example because thor is more humor driven now um but just something interesting to note, you know, especially as we move into phase four and all of the theorizing has been that, you know, Black Panther and Doctor Strange and, and Ant-Man and characters like that are going to be the ones who are really going to be stepping up. It's going to be interesting to see how they move forward with Thor and maybe even more sequels beyond Thor 4 sort of floating around in the mix as well. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mention that, like, I feel like responsibility and uh, his uh, Thor's role in this universe is a lot to do with what his arc was in the, this first trilogy. So I'm kind of wondering if if that's what this trilogy, this you know, whatever spawns from Thor four. I wonder if if this is going to be him growing into some kind of responsibility that is his own thing. Do you know what I mean? Because now he's not in charge of Asgard. Uh, what is that going to be? What is who is Thor if he's not the king of Asgard? 
So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that that's what we're going to explore here. But okay, this morning, a, bu- a bunch of big news dropped, and that is in the form of the 2019 Emmy nominations. Uh, we have a whole list of all of the nominations on SlashFilm.com. You can go there for the list. But I thought we'd have a discussion about uh, the big categories on this podcast. And we'll start that out with Outstanding Drama Series. Um, what do you guys think? Like, I'm glad that Better Call Saul was nominated uh, because I, I am a huge Better Call Saul fan. Um, and even the uh, the two-bit copy, uh, you know, Ozark, which is kind of a copy of, of, of Breaking Bad, was nominated. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people are excited about that one. But ben, what, what are you most excited about? Um, for me, I don't know. It's tough because I am a big Game of Thrones fan. Obviously, I've, Game of Thrones is is a nominee in this category. I feel like it's probably going to win, if not for necessarily the right reasons. Like uh, season eight was extremely divisive among the fandom. But I think the people who are voting in the Television Academy know what this show uh, represents and, and that it's the most popular show on TV and that it, you know, changed the game in so many ways for uh, premium cable shows. And I think they're probably going to like reward it, uh, even though many can argue and, and rightfully so that season eight was not its best, even though I think Jacob and I, who reviewed the, the show for Slash Film, came away from it. Uh, appreciating it a lot more than like the general consensus so um so you're saying it's going to get the return of the king treatment i think so yes yeah um chris what are you most excited about here in the drama nominations uh there are two things i'm excited about one is better call saul which I, i i've said over and over again how much i love it and how much i think it's even better than breaking bad um and the other is killing Eve, which is another excellent show um the rest i could care less about i i don't know i know ozark is apparently popular but i refuse to believe that because i just feel like <laughs> like like i feel like that show doesn't actually exist it feels like it's a conspiracy and people are just Chris, pretending the, the first season of ozark is actually pretty good i will never watch it but okay um bodyguard i've never watched that game of thrones i gave up on a long time ago um i've heard pose is good i have i have not seen it same thing with succession um this is us i that's another thing i'm never gonna watch because no no, it's just not for me so uh kill i'm happy killing eve and better call Saul got nominated but i'm also sure neither of them will win (laughs) it's also interesting that killing eve and bodyguard those are both uh are they BBC or they're they're at least British, right? Yeah, they're both they're both from the UK. Yeah, uh, Brad, what are you excited about? Honestly, I'm pretty out of my element when it comes to the drama category this year. Uh, I haven't seen any of these shows, and with Game of Thrones, I have I have seen it, but I have not finished the final season yet. Surprise! Um, so I'm just I'm totally out of my element here. So I I agree with Ben that I think we can easily see Game of Thrones getting the Return of the King treatment and just winning overall for its achievement in TV in general. Even though this last season was not well received, uh, judging by a lot of the reactions from fans and critics. But yeah, I, um, you know it's otherwise I don't really have uh, a dog in this fight at all. I'm sure if Jacob were here, he would have some things to say about Succession, but he is not. So we're going to move on. Let's talk about Outstanding Comedy Series. Uh, This group has a a good mix of uh, great series. I think the one I am most happy about is Russian Doll. This is the Netflix uh, show uh, starring Natasha Lyonne. um, And it's kind of like this 
uh, time loop comedy. We've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, and I just love I, I just love it. Uh, I, I'm I'm so glad that it is getting recognition here. Uh, yeah. Chris, you are also a fan of this, right? Yeah, this category. This is a stacked category. Um, I I like almost every show in this list that I've seen. I mean, I have not seen Marvelous Miss Maisel. And I have not seen Shit's Creek, but I I hear great things about both of them. Um, I don't keep up with Veep, but I know it's a good show. But uh, Barry, Fleabag, The Good Place, and Russian Doll, those are all some of like the best comedies on TV. Uh, you know, just in general around right now. And if any of those won, I'd be thrilled. Um, Fleabag is just incredible. Uh, the second season, especially, which is what they're nominating here, which I think is better than the first season. Barry, I'm sort of like in awe of that show because it's it's the show that blends both really funny comedy and like soul crushing darkness. And that's really hard to do. It's a it's a really fine line to to pull that off. And that show really does. Uh, the Good Place is just, you know, this like warm hug of a show where it, it's just it makes you just feel good to watch. And Russian Doll, like you said, is 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 incredible. It's the it's really smart. It's really different um you know even though it's using a premise that other things have used you know it's, it's using that groundhog day premise um it does really cl- like clever original things that i haven't really seen done before so i'm i'm like pretty thrilled with this category in general i mean brad i know you like to call me the comedy curmudgeon of the group here but I, I actually really love two of these shows i love barry i love Russian Doll. Um, I have only seen a little bit of Marvelous Miss Maisel, um, and I like what I saw. I just uh, haven't caught up with it. I know that you're a fan of that show, right? Yeah, that show's fantastic. So you are a big comedy person. What what would you vote for here? Uh, this is one of those th- things where I, I would mostly be happy with any of these shows winning, even the, the, um, the couple that I haven't seen, because I haven't watched uh, Fleabag or Russian Doll yet. Um, but these all these shows are so fantastic in their own way that they they all deserve you know some kind of recognition uh, for what they're bringing to the table. I, I think my personal choice is probably uh, the good place, just because I, I feel like in a world full of uh, streaming and cable successes, it is against all odds that a network comedy can be so good uh, and original and just you know actually hold its own when cable and streaming don't have the kind of restrictions that networks uh, a place upon their shows. Um, and I just, I feel like a, a comedy show like this is, is even more rare because it has story points that surprise you. And there's so many interesting twists and turns and it's, it's clever and funny, but and it has a, a great ensemble cast. Um, it, it's almost like a comedic version of lost in a way. And I think that's what I like about it the most. I think you finally sold me on the good, good place. A comedic version of Lost that that has piqued my interest. Uh, oh, Peter, you would love it. You got to check out that show, Ben. So, is Good Place your pick as well? <sighs> this one's so hard. I think ultimately for me, it comes down to b- between the Good Place and Russian Doll, and I would probably go with Russian Doll, even though I love the Good Place with all of my heart. I think Russian Doll just sort of like came out of nowhere for me, and that surprise element and the fact that. It executed so well in, in such a short time span. I love that it was only eight episodes and it, it told its story and got out of there. I know that 
they're talking about doing a second season and maybe more. But for right now, Russian Doll is perfect in my mind. And I, I love everything about that show. And I, I'm happy that it got nominated. Um, another Netflix show that I thought was really, really great, uh, Glow, in its second season did not get nomina- nominated. So that was kind of a bummer. But um, I'm glad to see Russian Doll up there. And I, I would love to see that one take home the, the gold. Yeah. Glow is the only thing on this list I wish was on this list that isn't um is there any surprises here brad yeah i mean schitt's creek is a huge surprise uh this is a show if you haven't heard of it uh it's big in canada it airs on us on the channel called pop and if you don't know what that channel is that's the channel that used to be like the tv guide channel where they used to show the schedule but now that all cable subscriptions and stuff have the menu option that you can explore that channel kind of became obsolete and it's been turned into this like pop culture savvy kind of website that plays movies and tv shows and all that and schitt's creek is an original show that airs over there and it's been on for five seasons now and it's never been nominated until this year but it's it's a great show eugene levy and uh Catherine o'hara lead it they both got nominations for the show for the first time this year um it's it's very funny and it's it's one of those things where to see it pop up among all these great you know uh shows is is really surprising but definitely earned after all this time and there's another big surprise here yeah, The Big Bang Theory uh, got shut out of all the major categories, even though it made its farewell season uh, this past year. And, you know, we're not really Big Bang Theory fans here, so uh, it's not really a surprise or something that we care about. But It's the not fact a snub that, for us. It's more of a surprise. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it is it is kind of weird that since it uh, was on its way out that the Emmys didn't, you know, want to give it some love just kind of to say goodbye and that kind of thing. But it also got a lot of nominations over over the years that were somewhat uh, undeserved, I think uh, many <laughs> of us would say. Uh, so you know, it, it didn't go away empty-handed. It just didn't get any of the major uh, categories. It got like three other nominations uh, elsewhere. Okay, let's talk about Outstanding Limited Series. Uh, I think my, the one I am most excited about here is Escape at Danamora. Um, which was the series that, I mean, it was the, yeah, I guess it's a mini series directed by uh, Ben Stiller. It is a drama series. It's for HBO. Uh, it was ju- just fantastic. Like the, all three lead performances were amazing. And I think all, th- all three are nominated. Maybe we'll take, we'll get to that later. Uh, ben, what, what, out of these choices, what, what was the most exciting for you? This one is tough because I've seen all of these except for Fosse Verdon, and I really, really like all of them. Um, the, there's even one that I, I thought should have been nominated and wasn't, and that was Maniac, the Netflix show that uh, Carrie Joji Fukunaga directed that starred Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. That was a tremendous show. It's on Netflix. I encourage everybody to watch it. It's a little challenging, but so rewarding, or it was for me anyway. See, that, um, that's the thing, though. I think it was probably too challenging for most of the I mean. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. But like, no, it didn't even get any technical nominations like production design and stuff. And this is a show that creates like multiple worlds within its own universe. Um, so I, I was really disappointed to see it like completely blanked across the board. Um, but in terms of outstanding limited series for me, I, I think Chernobyl. I mean, I I love a lot of these shows. I thought Danamora was great. Um, Sharp Objects is, is tremendous when they see us like you know, that's one that just completely bowled me over. And, and I was like an emotional wreck by the by the end. But Chernobyl is just so damn good. It's it's co- so compelling. We've talked about that a lot, too. So I won't I won't go long on that. But um, yeah, if I had a vote, I think I would cast it for Chernobyl. Chris, you've seen a bunch of these, right? Uh, yeah, my vote would be Sharp Objects. I think Sharp Objects is uh, one of the 
most compelling pieces of TV I, I've ever seen. Honestly, it's it's so um, introspective and and edited in this really uh, jarring yet incredible way. I know people have trouble with that editing. Um, <laughs> I, I'm fine with it, but I know some people don't go for that that really abstract, dreamlike editing that the show does, and also Big Little Lies does because it's you know the same director at least the first season. Um, but and Amy Adams is so good in this. Amy Adams is one of those actresses who always gets nominated for stuff and doesn't win. So we should probably just put her in the snub category now because she's nominated. But I'm sure she won't win for this, even though she really should, because her work on this series is incredible and probably like the best stuff she's ever done. And that's saying something because everything she does is, is pretty great. So Sharp Objects definitely has has my pick. OK, we should probably fast forward here. Let, let's talk about Outstanding Television Movie. Uh, the only one here that I've actually seen is Bandersnatch, uh, the Black Mirror movie that was on Netflix. We, we had a whole episode about that, so you can go to the episode to hear my feelings on that. Um, I liked it. I, I, I kind of love the gimmick of it more than I like the actual story itself, um, but I'm not sure if I would vote for it. Uh, Chris, this is another category that I think you, you have seen a bunch of the, the entries. I'm- yeah, it's and like you know, what version of Bandersnatch are they nominating? It, it feels like <laughs> they're cheating by nominating that because it has like so many different <laughs> possibilities. Um, of all these, I'd probably go with Deadwood just because I never thought that would come back. And not only did it come back, it came back with this really rewarding emotional conclusion. At the same time, it's it's that Deadwood movie is so reliant on having seen Deadwood. Like unlike the rest of these. Like, you can't just sit down and watch it without having seen Deadwood. Like, if you've never watched an episode of Black Mirror, you can still watch that movie. And Deadwood, it does not work without the show. So I don't know if that's going to pepper how people vote or not. But, I mean, if for someone who's seen the show, like me, I, that is my pick. Moving on to Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. Ben, what do we think? I mean, they're, they're, for lead actor and lead actress both, there are a lot of really great actors in both of these categories, but I think ultimately it's probably going to go to Kit Harington and Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones for the same reason that we talked about Game of Thrones is probably going to win or earlier. It's sort of that, uh, you know, Return of the King type of acknowledge, career acknowledgement almost for the work that they did over eight seasons of that show. I'd love to see Bob Odenkirk get some love for Better Call Saul, but I feel feel like he's going to get overlooked. As a, there, there's another snub on this list for Better Call Saul. Is that is that right, Chris? Yes, I don't know what these voters have against Rhea Seahorn, but she, um, since the the start of this series, um, she's one of those, those actresses who like I've never even heard of before the show, and she's done consistently fantastic work since the start um crafting this really unique complex complicated character uh it's almost like un- unlike any other character on tv right now and she almost never gets nominated and when she doesn't get nominated she doesn't win and i don't understand what the hell is going on because she's probably you know as much as i love better call Saul, i would argue that she's the best part of the show like if she weren't on it I probably wouldn't like it as much as I do. So I I don't I don't get it. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I just don't get what I what they're missing. I don't think you're crazy. I think this is one of the best female performances on television today. But um I don't know. The Emmys do not think so. Let's move on to outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Brad, uh, who who are you 
looking at here? Uh, I'm sticking with my love for The Good Place. Uh, Ted Danson has been consistently fantastic uh, on that show. He's just he's just phenomenal. He's hilarious. Um, but I, I do love the idea of Bill Hader uh, winning as well. He's not only great, you know, in front of the camera as Barry as an actor, but uh, he's directed episodes as well. And, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Right? But he still pulls off these great performances. Um, I will say that I, I keep being baffled by the fact that Michael Douglas is nominated for the Kaminsky Method. Not that he's not a great actor or anything like that, but much like Chris doesn't believe anybody's watching Ozark, I've never heard anybody talk about the Kaminsky Method or how good it is, but it's been nominated for Emmys. And I, so I don't know if it's just like a, since it's about, you know, Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin as a couple of aging uh, dudes that maybe the the older part of the Academy is like, oh, this is me. I love this. Um, but, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, I will say, though, uh, on the, the topic of The Good Place, uh, it's frustrating that the uh, one very deserved nomination didn't happen in the supporting carry uh, category, and that's for uh, D.R.C. Carden, who plays the over um, the all-knowing, all-seeing system Janet on The Good Place. She even had a great episode where she played Janet versions of every character, uh, almost every character on the show, and that episode alone was reason enough for her to get an Emmy nomination, but she didn't get one this year, and I'm, I'm pretty upset by that. Okay, let's talk about Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this category? Um, this is there's this is a strong category, too. Um, Natasha Lyonne is phenomenal in Russian Doll. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is great in Fleabag. Uh, and I, I'm a, I have a pleasant surprise with... Um, Christina Applegate getting nominated for Dead to Me. Not that she didn't deserve it, because she did deserve it, but um, that's one of those shows that I really love, but I feel like people don't talk about it as much as they should. Like It didn't really get many other nominations, but that's a great show, and she's really good in it. I feel like she's one of those actresses who's been stuck in like roles that under utilize her talent for years like she's just been like in sort of lackluster parts and this show really shows off that she has a lot of range that people haven't been exploiting for years because she she's got to balance a lot of both drama and comedy and she does it really well so i'm i'm very happy she got a nomination okay lastly let's talk about the outstanding lead actor and actresses in uh the limited series or movie uh ben what do you think yeah, I mean, if, again, if I was casting a vote, I would probably do it for Jared Harris and Chernobyl for lead actor. But I, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jarell Jerome from the Netflix show When They See Us, which I mentioned earlier. And it's just a really, really great show. And he's arguably the best part in it. He His performance is just it like cuts you to the to the bone. It is uh, so emotionally raw and devastating. And um, this is an actor who he he played uh, the 16 year old Chiron in Moonlight. So you may have seen him there. Um, but man, he just like takes it to the next level. And when they see us, so I would encourage anybody to check that out. Although it is sort of a tough watch. Um, and then sort of keeping on that same. Uh, that same pattern, uh, both Nisi Nash and uh, Anjanu Ellis um, were also nominated for their work in When They See Us. And uh, the entire cast of that show is just, yeah, operating on all cylinders. And um, I mean, <laughs> I, I think uh, Chris would probably cast his vote for Amy Adams and Sharp Objects. And, and Peter, you probably would would go to bat for Patricia Arquette in yeah. Escape at Dannemora. And both of them are incredible. And I, it, it, it's another one of those categories where like, 
the Emmys actually got it right this year, I think, where there's a lot of great people to choose from in these categories. But I just wanted to give a a shout out to When They See Us because that show showed up in a big way uh, on the Emmy voters um, radars. And I'm I'm surprised to see that because it's such difficult subject matter. It's about the the guys who are formerly known as the Central Park Five. Um, I'm surprised that Emmy voters took the time to watch that show since it's so emotionally devastating, but uh, they did and they decided to reward or at least acknowledge the the performers there. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. I still need to see that. Um, I, I, I would go to go for bat for Patricia Arquette and escape at Dannemore. I feel like that performance was the best performance of last year in film or television, but uh, that's just me. And uh, also I want to give a shout out to Joey King in the Hulu series, the act uh, she had a pretty great performance in that as well. Uh, but, okay, I think that like, you can go to the site for a full list. You can go to the site for our list of snubs and surprises. But is there any that you guys want to point out here on the podcast uh, because they're more glaring? Um, Poor went out for the hot priest, right, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, I, it's weird that he didn't get out. No- that Andrew Scott did not get nominated for uh, Fleabag, especially since that's like the character everyone was talking about. So I don't know. That's it's weird. I want to give a shout out to Big Mouth for getting a nomination in the animation category this year. Uh, I feel like it it's been deserving it since it started, and the lack of Rick and Morty this year I think helped it uh, land in there. But even even if Rick and Morty were involved, I think Big Mouth still deserves uh, plenty of kudos in, in the animated category. Ben, do you have any snubs or surprises? Uh, I would just encourage people to go to SlashFilm.com and check out the ones that we didn't talk about on today's episode. You know what that means, guys? That means it's the end of the episode and I can start packing for Comic-Con. So these guys that you're you're hearing on this podcast are going to be helping hold up the fort while uh, me, Jacob, and HT are in San Diego. So I I thank them in advance for all the the work they're going to put in for the next week or so. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find the two articles I talked about on – or three articles we talked about on today's podcast on that website. This podcast, Slash Film Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please write and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>